Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show with your featured host, Shah McCain, a forensics counselor, psychic, writer, artist, modern day Christian mystic, and UFO experiencer. Shah introduced guests who are experts on all aspects of the paranormal and the sacred. The Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show has been featured on Blog Talk Radio as Staff Pick. And now for your host, Shaw McCain. Hello, everybody. I'm so happy to be here tonight and our special guest. I just can't hardly wait to get him on. I am calling you and speaking with you live from Los Angeles, California, and it's a beautiful night tonight. I, I just cannot believe this weather. It's beautiful every single day and night. It's like the weather is like 78 during the day and 62 at night. I'm telling you, it's so beautiful. Uh, it's getting kind of scary. It's just perfect, perfect, perfect in Los Angeles all the time. I have just a couple little announcements, and uh, then I'll have my super beautiful guests uh Bruce Gold on here. I, you know, there's a lot of, of uh, birthdays. Lisa Carey, Debbie Sennett, uh, Judy Stalt, James McFarlane, Peter Elmore, I miss you, Alan Carwell, and um, let's see, I think that's it. And I want to let you know that um, I'm going to be guest on a show tomorrow night. Uh, on Corinne's the, the Winner's Show, actually. And she is on my sister station, same here on Block Talk Radio, tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we're going to have uh, a really, a, a, you know, a horror of a show. It's about uh, pedophilia and how it's wrecking everybody's lives, okay? It's wrecking the world. So we're going to have an intense show. We're both psychics. We've both been impacted by this horrible subject. And uh, we're going to be talking about it tomorrow night. And that will be 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, let me see. And I've been notified that in uh, Glendale, Arizona, a child has been abducted by his father. And they want me to put the word out that uh, Chad uh, Callahan has abducted his son. They're putting the lookout out. Uh, he's missing and endangered, and they want you to call. If you see Chad, if you know Chad, can you please call him and tell him to bring the kid back? The phone number is 623-930-3000, and that's enough for my announcements for now. I'll make more later. But anyway, without further ado, Bruce Gold has never been to the old city of Jerusalem, the Himalayas, Michu Picchu, or any other exotic location where miracles are thought to take place. He doesn't dress in travel robes or call himself any other name other than the one he was given when he first arrived in this world. He was born and raised and realized his gift of healing in the hometown of Los Angeles, California. Bruce's gift is a conduit for the transference of positive healing energies came as a result of a conscious out-of-body near-death experiences which occurred while he was driving alone on a crowded Los Angeles freeway in May of 2002. The thing is, is he was most sure of today is that he was most definitely not alone during the fateful ride. Please take the time to watch Bruce's interview with uh, Connick Larry King. I did watch that. I've watched it maybe 10 times. 
he was honored by Mr. King personally, invited him to be a featured guest on his show, Larry King Now. can be viewed online at Aura.tv. And Bruce Gold has his website, www.bgspiritualhealer.com. And that's it for that. And I would like to introduce my dear friend, the handsome Bruce Gold. Hi, Bruce. Good evening, Char Simpson McCain. I'm here. Are you there? I know. But I transferred myself from where I was in Los Angeles, and now I'm doing this from Outer Mongolia. (laughs) How is the weather there? I am everywhere at every time, so every bit of weather is hitting me at once. It's too much. (laughs) Man, it's way out there, Bruce. (laughs) Now, I want to ask you. Paranormal in the state, not me. You know. I know, I know. So I, I, when I when I said made that title up, I knew it would cover just about everything, but I haven't actually covered Mongolia or. Uh, what's the what's up the, the Yeti? I haven't covered the Yeti yet, so. Well, you I have no idea to... how popular you are here, Char. It's amazing. I know it's strange because I get you know what's strange is I get messages sometimes in other languages that I do not understand or speak. But thank God for that translator. Like I was trying desperately to talk to a guy that's in Cairo today. And I was asking, I was texting a friend, you know, with myself, how do I say two hours? The show is in two hours. And I was trying to, like, he said he could not, he was using his, I don't know what language he was speaking. That was another thing. So he was in Cairo. I don't know what he was speaking. And and so I was just trying to say two hours to, to like, whatever. Anyway, I well, don't know. Well, that's the case. I, my, my thinking, my intuition, my sixth sense says that yes. you should my show is in two hours because you're <laughs> a long distance, Char. And, and I know sometimes the obvious is so obvious, but sometimes we need that others to point it out to us. I'm glad I could help. I know, I, I know but I, successful but I was texting it. Yeah. yeah, I was texting it. So, okay, let's get, let's get into this. Oh, God, I'm sorry, 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 bro. Um, how we met was very strange. It was on a very strange day, and it was one day that I'll never forget. Okay, I'm sorry. Somebody came to the door. Okay, it was one day that I will never forget. That um, I remember me and my best friend, her husband, drove up there, and I asked, can we go go to the restroom at Starbucks? And uh, I don't know if you remember me telling you this, but so we just dropped off, you know, because to me, you know, almost every Starbucks on on the planet probably is the same. And uh, I opened the door to go to the restroom, and actually it was a whole, a whole, a, a closet of mirrors that included like a disco ball type of thing, you know, and I looked at it. And I turned around, I went, okay, I walked into some deranged closet, and I turned around to walk away, and then I turned around again, I, went, I shut the door, I went, okay, show me. I don't know why I did that. And the room returned back to its normal self, to a normal bathroom. 
And uh, I was quite shocked, but then I, you know, then I went, okay, this is a weird day. And so then I went up there, and then my two friends disappeared. I didn't know that they were commandeered to, to uh, do traffic or something. I never saw them again for the whole party. And then when I went up there, I was actually, I had a lot of guests, you know, a lot. Uh, we were being zoomed by some military helicopters. The police started zooming the place, and uh, there was a lot of people, and I was just trying to stay calm, you know, because uh, uh, there were so many people, and I was just doing interview after interview, and um, I didn't know what was going on. All that I know is I was hungry, I was thirsty. Somebody actually, during the interview, decided to use the bathroom that I was uh, there was a room I was I was in, and it had a bathroom. And in that bathroom, somebody took a bath during my interview. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds so pitiful now, but this is a gorgeous place. I don't understand what happened. So when it was all over, I didn't know what happened to anybody. So from your point of view, okay. So now we're removed. To the living room or whatever it was, right? Mm-hmm. Was that the living room? So then I saw you. You were just really handsome and you were in a very nice suit. Then I saw something when I looked at you. And I said to you, I, when I saw you, I had a vision. I saw steam coming off your shoulders. And I, I don't know what I said. I said, I looked at you and I thought, did you have, have you had some kind of life after death experience? <laughs> I think that's the first thing I said to you, I think. So you tell me your version. So what happened? I like yours better than uh, I got 86 when I had too much to drink. <laughs> yeah, there's yours, a lot of people, there's all the she-she in the UFO world there, too, and there's Gurus and there was there was all kinds of people there. How did you get any fixed? No, I'm teasing. I no. Oh, okay. My so version of it is that uh, this was a party out in Valley Village, uh, a part of the valley in uh, near Studio City, that a uh, mutual friend, Joan Handgarter, who is a phenomenal. Uh, she goes by uh, Joan of Angels, as yes. you know. She does Lovely phenomenal. Person. And anybody who has not yet seen her work, she does very from the heart, angelic type of art of uh, different uh, prophets and things that come through her that she channels. And uh, we've been friends for a number of years through originally meeting at the Conscious Life Expo. And she was out there, and that's where I met her, um, the, the gentleman who owned the place, Vaughn. And then uh, there was a, a party going on with mm-hmm. a lot of, uh, you know, interesting people. And uh, and you were doing your broadcasting from one of the rooms, as you said. And uh, I was just curious, when you went to that Starbucks and you saw that disco ball in the, yeah. in the mirrors, were you hearing the song, Turn the Beat Around, you know? By Vicky Get Sue Robinson? Together. No. Uh, in the upside no. Down. <laughs> no. Curious. That's what came to mind, you know? I had to really face some issues. Uh, some... But seriously, when I get back to it, 
Uh, yeah, go ahead. Joan asked me to fill out uh, the paper to say who I was and what I wanted to speak about because she wanted wanted me to speak about my near-death experience and my uh, revealing to me of the healing world that I entered after that. And then uh, I think you, uh, at one point, it was getting too late, and uh, I was sort of down on the list. I didn't have uh, the clout in that room that I thought I'd sorry. And then um, something happened where... I just sort of started speaking to the group that was there of about 30, 40 people. Mm -hmm. You came out, and you were already, and then you kind of viewed, were looking at me directly. And then I just kind of, as I was speaking, people literally shuffled out the door. And uh, as if a, a windstorm that compared very much to like the one in Kansas that Dorothy experienced, that tornado, that's what it seemed like to me, Shar. Didn't it seem sort of that way so to you, sorry. It was so weird. I was like, because I was stressed out, because I think I had just interviewed about eight people. Mm-hmm. And I was scared because uh, I wanted to do a good job, but we were actually getting uh, zoomed by those uh, helicopters. We were right up to the window. Right. Oh, they were and, very loud. Uh, very loud, and I didn't know what was up because my friends, I never saw them. I don't know why they were asked to be directing traffic and all that, and I didn't have anything to eat, and I was looking around like, what the heck? I didn't know, and I didn't know why uh, you weren't able to talk. It was like that. I was very confused about the situation, because, but but I was able to read you, though, so I think that's how we got to be friends. Well, what happened was... Because what happened, because I can't remember how we hooked up. But anyway, it didn't matter. Like one moment, there were about 40 people in the room. And the next minute, as I started to speak, people actually started shuffling out the door. Probably about maybe 15 to 20 people left. About 15 people who stayed and were very attentive to what I was speaking about. And uh, then you told me that you sensed that I had, you know, that you you were very uh, focused. Yes. And then told me you wanted to interview me for a uh, another program that we would do uh, together. And then was subsequently we did that uh, on actually Valentine's Day, uh, the the next Valentine's Day that following year, I think it was, or a couple months later, whenever it was. And I'm I can't believing be, I it. Can't believe, like, I can't believe that I was still that focused, but I was very focused because you had that steam coming off the, your jacket shoulders. Yeah, no, it, it's, I, I, it, the interesting thing is I've heard so many things. Somebody just told me recently who had spent time with me, and this is not a joke. He said that I looked like some animal with a tail. <laughs> And I look at these people and I think, okay, thank God I have the gift I have of being able to really help others heal. And I'm not looking at them as some prehistoric creature or however they're looking and seeing me. You're not like, that's not what I was seeing. Okay, uh, can you please, first of all, we have skipped over 
your experience. Because when I said to you, you what you have you, when I saw the steam coming off your shoulders, I have seen that in my my real lifetime. Because when people would come in to the house, like I lived back east uh, when I was a kid, when people would come in from the outer doors, your body heat would uh, come through your clothes when you're really cold and you come in the warm house. Sometimes I'd see steam on people, but it wasn't, but it wasn't the real steam I was seeing. And then I asked you about it. I said, have you had some kind of near-death experience? I think that's the way I said it. Because I didn't know who you were yet. That sounds familiar. Remember? And then you said, yes, I have. And that's when I said, can you please come to the show? That's how we met. Because right. I was very I was very curious why I hadn't interviewed you and why, you, why, why they didn't let you speak with me. Because really nobody introduced us. That's true. Because you were busy in the other room doing your interviewing. Yeah. Yes. Joan had uh, I and she even prodded me to do to to fill out the. I'm not a big fan of filling out a lot of applications and things if I don't have to. And mm-hmm. she wanted me to write like what I wanted to talk about and this and that and the other. And at that point, I had been doing healing for and and this is not about ego. It was more about just in a way kind of shy about writing about it, tooting my own horn that way. I don't mind sharing it with people one-on-one, but to go and like wait in my place to go and speak about something this amazing, it's very difficult Mm. to be in that kind Mm -hmm. of position knowing what I know. And uh, so, you know, I did sit there and kind of fill out the, the, the paperwork. I remember that. And just put briefly whatever it was that, you know, background about my uh, probably a healing journey and how it came to be a little bit. But then she told me or somebody said, okay, we're not doing any more interviewing, no more people. And I sat there and I was, I guess, I, I was sort of indifferent to it. I wasn't really disappointed, but I wasn't, over, you know, I was, at that point I thought it was going to happen. So when you anticipate, it's... Um, yeah. There's that a bit feeling of, uh, and I'll be honest, it, it, there's a s- sort of let down feeling a little bit yeah. because I started thinking about first I wasn't really that comfortable about it. Then I said, okay, I'll do it, and this is important, and I'd love to share it with these people. And uh, and it then all of a sudden it just sort of didn't work, and the next thing I knew uh, I sort of had uh, a large audience, and then I had a very small audience. And um, because I do want people to see one another, I think what what one of the things, and we can get right into the COVID thing from this about people seeing one another. Mm-hmm. I think this has given people a lot more awareness of others because they have to be because they're being told where so often people are so focused in the electronical world. They're not really communicating with each other any longer the way that we grew up learning how to communicate prior to having these devices. Don't you agree? 
Well, yeah, I have I have two ways I can go with that because um, I find that before this uh, the electronic thing, we of course we didn't have uh, you know all the cell phones and the digital stuff and laptops and all that. Uh, we had to write letters and all that, but uh, now I find that uh, it's kind of like an even a more intense communication. We're able to drop a text or, you know what I mean? What I'm saying like people, prior to COVID, prior to COVID, we we're so okay. disconnected. Yeah. Oh, yes, With yes, COVID, yes. it's kind of bittersweet because on yes, one end, we're it. connecting and disconnecting at the same time. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Like meaning Very not good. being able to see each other, but then uh, we have to put more effort into really getting it together for, you know, if you want to see somebody, it's a big effort you have to go through. Well, I think also, and I'm not going to speak for everybody because I can't, because everybody's from a different situation. When, uh, you know, when our mayor or our governor, Newsom, said for us to all now we have to be quarantined and locked down, you know, I think people who could do that and had homes to go to, even if they were by themselves and not with others, still there are people out on the streets. We have a lot of homeless individuals in our city that people discount all the time. I, for one, uh, I won't say that I do it as much as I once did when my healing abilities were revealed to me because I used to spend a lot of time with a lot of homeless individuals, especially then, just to see if I could do something to help them feel better or help any of their ailments um, alleviate any of their pain from that just because I knew that I had the chops for it. I had the ability. I had the I had the gift that I had to share. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been doing that up in, for many years where I will stop people and I see them hurting or whatever it is, introduce myself to them because now I have a, a website people can go to and check me out. Uh, before it was just me coming up to people and them trusting that I had a heart that they felt that was real, that wanted to connect to them and uh, aid them with their difficulties. So it's it's unusual people coming up, you know. I but I whatever it is, whatever my out of body experience was, I've always had a heart for people, mostly for children. Children, I feel like almost like a Pied Piper for them. Because even when I was a child, I was taking care of other children, even though I was bullied most of my life by others. And still to this day, feel bullied by a number of others in a different way, of course, now. Well, how do you mean? How do you mean, really? Well, I was literally beaten up as a child. I was uh, 
emotionally, more emotionally abused by my father than physically abused by him. Uh, even though, but sometimes more emotional abuse is tougher because you don't know when it's coming or if it's coming. You know, it's like, you know, be prepared oh, yeah. to guard. It's almost better to get the punishment out of the way to actually have somebody hit you. And in those days, it was the belt. Yeah. And so I get a lot of threatening by him with his belt for whatever reason, whether I blatantly lied to him or did something not to his liking. But I really think that he saw in me, and this is a father that I only had till I was 11 years old. He passed away uh, very suddenly when I was 11. And he was at the old age of 40. Well, what did he pass away of? He died of a massive heart attack. Wow. And he, uh, he, um, it's very interesting because he died, uh, while he and my mother were at a, at a meeting at the home of a very famous movie star that I had, uh, a crush on at the time, but had not met, even though she was, a uh, family friend, so to speak. She was a friend of my parents, and they had, um, and they had, um, um, you know, known one another since like uh, the late fifties. The the uh, charity group that they were involved in was called Thalians. Have you heard of that? Yes, I have. Well, who's okay. the person? Tell us. The person but would only be known by the younger group now as Princess Leia's mother. (laughs) So (laughs) when I first met Princess Leia, Carrie Fisher, uh, we were about eight years old, something like that. And uh, and her mom was Debbie Reynolds, who is still near and dear to me. A very uh, difficult time was in 2016, uh, in December, when both of them simultaneously passed away one day from another. Yes. And that was very heartbreaking for me. Uh, Debbie became um, one of my favorite people, personally. I spent so much time uh, when I was g- growing up from 11 till uh, my you know late teens. Uh, at her home. So if I wasn't at my house, I'd be there for the most part. And it was amazing having a a very famous um, movie star as my adopted aunt. Well, she seems like a very nice lady, really. She was really one of the most giving people um, that I have ever come across in my life. So I come from a background of caring, and the, and the Thalians, as you may or may not know, Char, was a basis. The reason that Thalians came about was that um, Jack Haley, who was the Tin Man in the famous 
Wizard of Oz film, um, he saw that there was too much spoiled behavior in Hollywood. He had come from meager background. He and his wife, she was a, a phenomenal person. Her name was Flo Florence. And she had been one of the Ziegfeld girls in the uh, in the 30s, 40s, and uh, and they met while you know in New York and vaudeville. He was in vaudeville, and they were dancers and singers. And uh, you know they weren't used to you know having things handed to them as so many are. You know, case in point, yeah. we have an interesting person in charge of our government today who was handed so many things and uh, not to make this situation political but everything is everything's turning around and everything has been politicized uh, from his standpoint and the thing is, is that there are people out there who I believe there's reasons that things rhyme and um, there are people who feel a need for the word need, and there are people who feel a need for the word greed. And I grew up believing that those who had things could help others who didn't. Not everybody believes that. You know, you know I... I have seen people that have just want to keep what they have. No kidding. I mean, yeah, I know. look, I, I've heard stories. I've heard stories about people who are very famous celebrities, movie stars, whatnot, who have, you know, who, who've even buried money, still haven't buried on their land, even though they have millions of dollars. And really, I think the idea of celebrity, as I've seen special friends that I'm proud of, people like Larry King, who, as you mentioned, I did a program in 2016. He featured me on his program. And those who, you know, would like to uh, and haven't seen the show, I'm told by him and others that it was a good show. I felt it was a good show. There's good information on there. Um, I was put on the spot to do a healing. I did the best I could in the time frame for somebody who was a skeptic. So there's there that is is worth watching if you have not seen it, and it's available on my website at bgspiritualhealer.com, or you can just Google Bruce Gold Healer, and it will come right up. But basically... Um, people like him, Larry and Ed Asner, who I value as a close friend, uh, have lent their names and have actually put their money where their mouth is to create an awareness, whereas Ed is concerned, he has the Ed Asner uh, Family Center for Autistic uh, Individuals, people on the spectrum and people who are dealing with autism, children mostly, mm-hmm. and uh, really caring for those individuals. And uh, his son Matt and his wife Nava, they run the organization. 
but uh, Ed has the name that brings in the attention. And so my belief is that those individuals who make it to those positions, like an Ed Asner or a Larry King, once their name is used and attached to a particular cause, and Debbie, the same thing with aliens, there's going to be more interest, public interest, fan interest from those who care, plus friend interest from those who didn't know what they were doing and want to um, avail themselves to participate in some way, whether it's a financial contribution or even contributing their time for uh, some of the events that they are putting on to raise funds for those causes. So I grew up around these kind of things. And my father, prior to his passing away, he was the glue that held this group together. And he wasn't even a show business, pretty much anything other than he was an accountant, a CPA for people in the show business arena, but those weren't his only clients. So, unfortunately, I lost him at a very early age. And uh, I still feel his presence. I feel now where before he was abusive towards me, and I think going back to that, I think sometimes we try to get away from our childhood if it wasn't so enjoyable. And so sometimes, say, in his case, he was very heavy. Heavy said he had a round face. And then when my brother was born, my brother favored both my mother and my father. So there wasn't any kind of a, a thing there saying, oh, you know, too much familiarity or anything. But when I was born, it was obvious that I looked much more like my father. And I think whether it was subconscious or consciously, uh, I know consciously I got hit by the belt. <laughs> yeah. If it had been subconsciously, then maybe you know I wouldn't have felt it. But I did feel the sting of it a few times. I can't really remember how many. But I really believe my father was not hitting me as much as he was hitting himself. And for those people that don't understand the subconscious mind and how it could play such a prevalent part in our lives, it's true because most people live in the subconscious more they live than they live in the conscious. If we had more people living in the now, Shar, mm-hmm. I don't think we would have as many difficulties as we come across on a regular basis and the misunderstandings and the misinformation. Because well, I totally most, agree. Yeah. Because uh, it's, but, you know, not only, um, can I give a little bit of information on the salians? Uh, it is a... Sure, sure, or, sure. Uh, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an organization for mental health, and uh, they are located in the valley, and their um, phone number is 818-792-4510 if you need help or do want to donate because it is a charitable organization and mental health service. So 
uh, there are some good people, and they've been around forever. And there's a, there is a nice picture of Debbie Reynolds on there, and Ruta Lee actually too. She's there too. And uh, yeah, I want to say just like, Ruta. Go ahead. I grew up Ruta in my life as well, and and uh, her husband was a close friend of mine. His name was Webb Lowe, and Webb just died very recently. So I just want to say, you know, to those who either knew Webb or knew of him, Webb was a phenomenal guy, and he was I considered him a friend. And I send love to Ruta um, because she has been like a, a staple in my life ever since I was born. And yeah, Ruta, um, Ruta Lee is, yeah, she's been around for a really long time, but uh, she's also on Facebook. So I think I, am, I friended her, and she friended me. So uh, what, a, nice. what a good gal. Nice nice people. Well, good, good, good. Ruta, Ruta is a, a barrel of fun, and she happens to be <laughs> a very um, talented actress as well. Yes. Yeah. But she's so, more of a personality um, these days when she does do her thing. But she has been a mainstay and um, and continued with the group. And my parents were original founding members. And my mom is the, uh, really, she's the only surviving right now at 90. She just turned 90. Wow. And the funny thing is, before COVID, uh, most people, when I went out and I was with her and I, and I'm single. I wanted them to know that I'm 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 a single man. I certainly do not, uh, you know, um, cheat on ladies when they're in my life. And it would be mm-hmm. funny because if I saw somebody that I was attracted to at a table and smiled, I would sometimes get a very, very uh, rude look back, and then find out that they thought that I was with my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Until I introduced to my mom. <laughs> well, uh, well, who knows? I don't know about those yeah, things. But I'm just saying, my mom has that youthful quality. Yeah. Before, you know, a year ago, Char, in April, we we came close to losing my mom. Oh, and boy. to be honest. You, my sister, who is what I would consider one of my very best healers, because without my sister Temra, um, I probably wouldn't still be here today. She has served wow. as one of my very best champions and buffers between myself and others. And um, even though she is not as understanding or involved in my healing world she still supports me as a champion and a friend um when i go out of town and people contract me to have contracted for me to go there and do healings yeah she is my attorney so she takes care of all of the particulars for me because i really don't want to have to you know, set up the whole thing with uh, all the, the the little nuts and bolts and the amounts and all that stuff. My feeling is if I can do healing 
uh, well, not say 24-7, because I do do that in a sense, um, because my healing light is always beaming. Yes. But if I had actual particular healings, uh, I would probably do it a good 15 hours a day, 14. As it is, I do get calls. Um, I do leave myself available for people to be aided. And we're not talking at, uh, you know, when someone sets a session up with anybody for their service, of course they're going to pay uh, some type of a, uh, you know, um, remuneration for that individual, whether it's actually financially or bartering or whatever it is. Um, In my case, I have worked on a sliding scale since I've begun that if people wanted to donate, fine. And uh, But even when I set a fee or set a, a set amount for my gratuity, I still wanted people to know that it would be affordable to them if because if the healing was necessary as it was right then and there, I'd much rather do it and not have to have them feel as though they need to pay for it right then and there uh, because this is something that is not thought to be tangible, like touching a table or touching, you know, or when you go to a doctor and they give you certain medicines and they work or not, but if they do, and then you pay the bill and then, you know what I mean? But this is more of a area where I had to think to myself, what am I able to offer? So I always offer the first 15, 20 minutes free of charge because I want people to feel comfortable with the process, which incidentally is non-invasive, as you well know. Yes. You know the work I did on your mom, Claire. Yes. And now, have I ever met yes. your mom, Claire? Personally. No. Right. So what happened? So what happened with this was uh, my poor mother. Uh, she was over in the hospital and she had had a stroke. And point, she was not walking. She was still talking, but she could not walk. And uh, she was laying in her bed, and uh, her feet had turned inward. And I, when I went to see her. And I saw her like that, and she kind of forgot about her feet. I mean, they were just turned inward. I had seen that before, and I was kind of startled. And to me, in my mind's eye, I, she's just too young. I, I just can't picture my mom. Well, she's 85 at this point, but I still couldn't. I don't know. I, I've been with her my whole life since she was. My mom had me when she was 17. So uh, I, we kind of grew up together, and I just couldn't imagine it in my mind. And uh, anyway, I freaked out and called Bruce. And then her and Bruce talked. I don't know what she said to my mother, Bruce, so, but when they hung yes. up. My mother, yes. my mother. Say anything until now, Char. But she was asking me for racing tips at Hollywood Park. Now, you, do you know my mother? <laughs> she did not do that. Anyway, just, she hung up. She had a big smile on her face. <laughs> and then I'm I just, said, come on, Mama. This, this, this. I said, you've got to. I said, come on, Mom. This is Charlie. My mother started walking very soon after that. I mean, really. She had. She stood up. 
And the, the nurse came and brought her a walker. And uh, I remember because, you know, um, to see your mom like that, and I remember that, that um, we were helping her to put on a little diaper thing and uh, get a new little smock on. I said, Mom, think, think. You know, you got to walk. You, you've got to. I was talking to her like that. And, and, and my mother started walking. And she, she did have uh, some other problems. You know, but she's still walking, you know, but she keeps traveling and wearing herself out and going on cruises and stuff like that. And she's just, she moved to Texas in between times is the last time I talked to you. She does a lot, you know, and she's finally slowing down and she's finally got a helper to help her do her housework and stuff like that. But um, you really helped my mother and I'll be eternally thankful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I'm 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 very honored that you contacted me at the time you did all kidding aside, of course. And I get very focused on those individuals because I don't believe anymore uh in something like time and space separation. And yeah, I'm the same way now. Yeah, it's been proven over and over again when I receive a call from France or I receive a call from Germany or I received the call from something down the street. To me, it's so right there. And I sense, <sighs> and not only do I sense it, but I also feel as a conduit, the energy is actually coming through me at that moment. So I stay very steady and still while it occurs. And, you know, especially it really trips me out because I'm not only the conduit that's being used for these, for lack of a better way to put it, healings, Mm -hmm. but I am also the witness to such things that I am not even aware are going to be occurring. And sometimes they happen in a matter of moments to where a person who couldn't walk before suddenly gets up and walks. So I've seen this over and over again. Uh, I did mention to you about October of 2018 when I was asked to speak in Santa Barbara for the IONS group, which is the uh, acronym for International Alliance for Near-Death Studies. Well, tell us about what happened. Well, When I arrived there, I was introduced to a woman who was on a walker. We'll just call her, um, her her name might have been Claire, like your mom. Wow. And that's interesting. I just thought about that. And uh, I was asked to speak for about um, a two-hour period in front of about 150 people. And this was going to be my biggest uh, audience thus far in the 17, 18 years, 17 years, 18 years since I'd been uh, aware of this. And, and but for the last uh, since 2012 is when I decided to take it out publicly after 10 years of not taking it publicly. Behind the, I was behind the scenes, I was doing lots of other things, volunteering with the Children's Hospital things of that nature, but I was still not quite public. 
And uh, it wasn't until 2012 that I made the decision to come out publicly. Uh, so basically, um, when I uh, got to the Unity Church that evening, I um, I just kind of uh, kind of felt my way as I do wherever I go and take note of where I am and peripheral vision takes over sometimes and just sees people. And one of the first people I met was this woman who was on the walker. Well, after I was done speaking for close to two hours, I had turned to Barbara Bartholome, who was the uh, head of that uh, Santa Barbara group for IONS, and I looked at her, and she looked very pleased with the speaking part, and I said, wasn't I supposed to do some demonstrations? Because we had spoken, I was a replacement for somebody they had, uh, a speaker they had lost that evening. And uh, I'd been called the previous Friday to come and speak Wednesday to see if I was available. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Dennis Purcell, who was one of the mainstays of IONS in California, he since has passed away, like uh, I think it was last year or the year before, but he was a big champion for me. I had already done some uh, tremendous healing on him, and he put it out to others that I was somebody that they wouldn't be interested in having and that I really had a heart for this kind of thing. And which was, he was a great champion for me in the healing aspect of, of my life. Um, I miss Dennis, but I know he's still here with me, guiding me. Yeah. And, uh, but basically he recommended me a few times to a few places that lost their speaker um, at the last minute. And I was able to fill in. And when I went there and I was speaking uh, at about a quarter to nine, I looked at Barbara and I said, uh, wasn't I supposed to do some demos? And she says, oh, would you still do that? I said, absolutely. And uh, so she said to the crowd that was about, originally about 150 people dwindled down to about maybe 80 which was interesting because that gust of wind that seemed to hit when we were in Vaughn's apartment uh, <laughs> seemed to hit there, there that <laughs> night as well. And when people left, I kind of just went, okay, thanks for coming, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. As, as they're be being blown out. You know? And okay. uh, very surreal, but most of my life is. And, uh, and then... Um, so she said to the crowd, how many people would like to experience Bruce's healing gift? And maybe about 10 people put their hands up. So I thought, okay, wow. I'll be here another 20 minutes. That's no problem. Yeah. You know? Well, she said, would you start with this woman over here? Well, it turned out to be this woman, Claire, or close enough. Yeah. name was. And uh, she was the lady that I I took note of it immediately that this was the same woman I met, the first person I was introduced to when I came walking up before the uh, the meeting started. 
And then uh, I said, oh, of course, you know, we met earlier, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, when I do these things, I don't necessarily go into a trance like uh, Edgar Cayce did or uh, somebody else, you know, doing it their way. My thing is more of feeling the person, connecting yeah. to them with my heart for no better way to put it. And uh, so I've been doing this kind of nonstop since finding out about it in 2002. In fact, I I uh, make a joke that, you know, to me, real healing like this is all so addictive that they should even create a 12-step program for real healers like myself. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, hmm. But anyway, uh, so I went over to her and I said, hi, we, you know, we met earlier. Nice to see you again. And I said, sure, no problem. And I, I think I said to her, you're pretty dependent on the walker. I realized that. I said, but would you let me be your walker for right now? Hmm. He trusted me because trust is a must with these things, especially when you're dependent on another apparatus that you believe that if without it, you're going to fall. Yes, yes, I see you. I see you, me. So when I took her hand, she trusted me, and I, because I said, I'm not going to let you fall. That's a promise. And so we just started to walk a little bit. I said, trust me, and I'll just be your walker. I don't know if I stood in front of her or I... I think I stood in front of held both of her hands so I could get a good grip on her so that she wouldn't fall. Then after a few of her steps, something told me to say to her, and it's not a overtly or in, in, intrusive, like big voice or anything. Never has yeah, been. Right, right, right. It's more of a feeling combined with a easy kind of a, a thought coming through. That's a good way to put it. And all of a sudden, I was basically old, guided to, however you want to present, you know, however you want to talk about it, to say to her, I am going to let go of your hands if you're open to me. And I will not let you fall. That is a promise. Do you trust me? She said, he wants to try it, and she trusts me. So she had not walked on her own, or I have no idea how long, to be honest. But I know that she wasn't walking on her own at that time. So sure enough, I stood in front of her to make certain, grab her, if she started to fall, so I started walking backwards. And she started walking me each step, a little gingerly at first. But then after she took a few steps, Char, I, okay, wow, that's enough. She kept walking on her own. And at that point, I just was so amazed that I started to kind of put my, it just clap because I wasn't clapping necessarily for me. I was clapping for her and that which was coming through me. Yeah. Because like I said, I'm a witness to these things as well. 
Yes. So he kept coming, and finally, three or four or five steps later, the place goes into an eruption, and the next thing I know, there's a lineup of like 60, 70 people. <laughs> wow. And the unfortunate... So Hmm? How long were you were there just, then? What's that? I was just wondering how long was the event then? Like, what, what happened? I was there for another uh, basically two hours. Wow. So the interesting thing is how God works is that somebody had contacted me. A lady in the area had contacted me, and this was in Santa Barbara, and she lived in the Montecito area. And she said, you know, I'm not going to be able to make it to your uh, event. And she had contacted me to tell me that and said, I think after the event you could do a session with me. So by the time, this is interesting how these things work, by the time of the last healing I'd done, part of, and I was out of it at that time, I must admit. But I was elated. And me and uh, Barbara and her husband, Victor, who happens to be seven feet, he was a former NBA basketball player with the San Francisco Warriors in the old days. So here's this tall giant, you know. Yeah. And we're all hugging each other, thrilled by what had just occurred, all the miracles that were there. I mean, everything from Tennessee to, um, uh, which is the ringing in the ears, to a gunshot wound, to cancer, to all these things that came in, in front of me. And watching their faces change from dour to excited and to hopeful, each one of them. And me not stopping working on them until there was that look in their eyes. We watched a woman who could not walk straight end up within a few moments suddenly walking straight. Walking up the, the stairs to the, the pulpit area in the, in the chapel in the Unity Church. And I couldn't wow. believe what I was watching. And, you know, it, it, if... The funny thing is people will say to me how warm they feel like I'm emanating this this heat in a sense that you said that you kind of saw. Yeah, and I saw it. Honestly, people have compared me to, I've heard it before, so I laugh about it and share it saying like I'm a portable heating pad. That's just strange that I would actually even see that. I kind of hard. I can't hardly believe it. If I didn't see that, I wouldn't have said something, and we wouldn't have been friends. We wouldn't, have, you know, I wouldn't have known what happened. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's just strange. It really well, is. Um, I am truly convinced, no doubt, because I was there for my out of body, uh, what I call my out of body near death experience, because it was right. Right. Uh, it was a very interesting, strange day on May 7th, 2002. I'm sorry, say it again. It was one of the weirdest days on record. Oh, without a doubt. Um, it, you know, is something I remember to the minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
because I was already afraid during that kind of uh, leading up to it that I sort of felt that I was sort of on my last legs at that point. Really? And I was giving up hope because I had been on so many different medications for depression that was misdiagnosed in the schizo world. So I was put on these antipsychotic medications. But basically, back wow. to Santa Barbara, what yeah. was interesting about that was is that I remained there, and as I said, I had been contacted by someone after. Well, by the time that I was done, and I was elated, but I was worn out, um, and I had to drive back to L.A., and I'll admit, I was tired. And that is not something that I experience that often. And yeah. so afterwards, I tried to contact the woman, and I couldn't get a hold of her. So at least I had tried, I felt. But I said, you know what? I'm hungry. I'm going to go pick something up, and I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> the next morning, I woke up. Char, I had a smile on my face, but I could barely move. Yeah. It was it's, amazing. You're happy, but you know, you're exhausted. That must exactly. take a lot of that. It's what they call psychic energy or or something. And, and, um, a lot of healers I've found actually have a lot of me- medical problems themselves. Oh, a lot sure. of shaman. I, without a doubt, saints, shaman, uh, healers, psychic, almost every one of them have a, some kind of physical problem. You know, well, uh, go ahead. What's interesting on that note is that I was told very early on, maybe by the woman who is a, she's a marvelous conduit channel and mystic herself, and she learned about her gift fairly early because um, of her um, mother having a uh, light church in um, a church of light in the Dallas, Texas area. And so it either was her, her name is uh, Sasha White. She goes by Ashtara Sasha White. Very, very gifted in her work as a seer and healer and channeler. And she is the one who it came through using her channel to literally reveal to me that I, too, embodied such a gift. And it wasn't like she said it to me and I went, oh, yeah, sure, just waiting for the day, you know. (laughs) No. I had been through so much crap with all these meds system and all these things well, and when that's she the worst. Me, I feel so bad about that you know to be mis- misdiagnosed and put on meds and all that that's an extremely terrible experience thank you I didn't have much of a life when people meet me today terrible. they can't imagine that I could be telling the truth that I had been on those meds and, and, and forced my way back to my life I can name mm-hmm. uh, names mm-hmm that people have never even heard of, like Certendal. And fairly many, many people have not heard the name Zyprexa or Seroquel because they have Well, I have because I'm a counselor, but, you know. That's, right, that's but they didn't have thing, 
those things past things like Prozac. Now, you know, when Prozac was like the least of my, like the beginning. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it was like the beginning of my end almost. Mm -hmm. So uh, I know know that um, some of this stuff is so powerful that uh, they will make you sick. That well, that's, is, a, that's the truth. I was say, I, yeah. if it's not treating you correctly, it's treating against you. And the side effects. Well, the side effects <laughs> are going to come out whatever way that you're experiencing them. Your brain, oh, yeah. our brains, are so tenuous that the signals. When it goes to the brain, when this medications hit the brain uh, stream or the uh, the bloodstream, um, who knows what kind of side effects? That's why when they do these uh, FDA uh, um, prior to being FDA approved, and they go through these tests with people, similar to what's going on right now with trying to discover or create a vaccine for COVID-19. Yes. Very similar. They're going to find, and they probably have found, people who are voluntary guinea pigs for this because without them, they're not going to know where the antibodies are in a person or where the uh, the actual vaccine is going to be able to work. Well, this is one virus I don't want, Okay. Because uh, every time I get the flu, it gets a little bit, yeah, it's an understatement, but I went and got tested. I don't have it. You know, um, I don't want it. I wear my mask. I just don't want it. I just don't want yet another weird uh, thing to happen. And while I'm here, I want to ask you about a couple things about this thing. I have two people that are on my mind right now. One, she does have the COVID. She's trying to recover and she woke up with the COVID toes this morning. And yeah. she's just trying to, yeah. You know what, Char? You have her yeah. number? I, I don't, well, I, I messaged her. No, no, her, I'm asking you. Have, Do you have her number? No. You don't have a way to get a hold of her? Yes, I, I messaged her. Go messenger now, and let's go ahead okay, and help her. Well, I, I tried. I, I did. I do what I know. <sighs> Let me see if I could try. I tried, and she didn't answer me. You know, I'm trying seriously. And then there's another person now. It turns out that he has throat cancer. So mm-hmm. um, I was wondering if we could just think of them, you know, keep them in our thoughts today. Oh, sure. So many people... So many people are suffering right now. So he started radiation yesterday. So um, he's the husband of a longtime friend of mine. If we could, if those two people and the, and the girl, um, she's got kids to worry about. So they're home stuck with the corona. Right. And uh, she, she just woke up with the corona toes. And then the other one, now I've told both of them, you know, that uh, we were going to have you on. So um, they're they're not feeling too good, so they they can't come on. But you know, if we could just somehow just pray for them and just I'll let them know that we're thinking about them anyway. 
you know. Well, that's fine. I have a few options here. My feeling is there are a lot of people out there very shy or want to not call because they're kind of, um, I don't know, I don't know what's going on in their mind. We don't know what's going on in their mind. No, I don't. They don't know if it's going to work. They're not sure. But, you know, the way I see this as, I don't see it as I am, uh, have enough ego to imagine that I am the end-all, be-all. However, I have in more cases than not that I am the cherry on the top of the cake, so to speak. <laughs> I like so that. we all catalyze, we all lead from something. We all have ingredients and sometimes there's some missing ingredients to a recipe that we're looking for. Yeah. That are trying to find us. Yeah. I, I totally agree, but you know, I offer that and um, I just I will continue to keep them in my prayers and my thoughts. And I just wanted to let you know in case you could pray for them for me. Sure. And, so the next uh, scenario, why don't we do it this way? What? I will offer a prayer. You hold it in. You hold it in consciousness. I will say the prayer out loud for these people. You mention their names when it's time. Thank and you. then some. And we will work on their healings right now in that way. Oh, that would be good. Okay. One is, we'll just say first initial A. Okay, but and we're going to do it like this. How we're going to do, do this. this. For that which has given me the ability as an instrument of light and healing to share, to care, to bring my heart to another, to watch as one goes from being broken down and afraid to a feeling of more confidence, renewal. For me to be able to watch this occur over and over again for close to two decades. For me to be honored to have this instrument as my toy. Knowing that right now, in this instant, that these individuals Named Aubrey. Uh huh. And then somebody unnamed, please. So the letter A. Yeah. Or whatever. That we bring that light to them right now as a collective. And even those who aren't listening to this podcast are still feeling that light come shining through as like connective points that these individuals are already connected to because what people say about six degrees of separation, I certainly don't believe. And I don't believe it's six degrees of Kevin Bacon either. <laughs> I believe there's no degree, no degree that is not able to reach another that quickly. And it was sort of proven years ago when they did Hands Across America, if you remember back in the 70s. I remember. Mm -hmm. People actually felt something, a vibration. And I'll always remember that. And so there, in my opinion, there is no degree of separation. It's just that we get so, so ensconced, so, so um, involved with our own individual lives and those people who, 
were once strangers who then appeared in our lives that we felt we would bring them to our hearts and dear us. But they started all the same as yeah. strangers. And so one of the things we have to see in another is their light, even if it's dim, especially when it's dim, to help ignite that light back to a place of more completeness, wholeness, a place where they have more quality of life, especially where it's showing that they don't, to fill those voids, to bring back the light of their own energy, to bring their well of their own energy back to them. Does that make sense? Mm, Yes, it does. So that's what we're doing right now, Shar, in this moment, in this instant. We're bringing that healing light through and in our mind's eye with the visualization to bring that to those areas. Now it's up to them as their own best healers to accept it. They may feel a shift not knowing where it's coming from, knowing that that prayer, because the power of prayer I have found in my travels that that which we cannot touch personally and tangibly, there's no prayer that prayer cannot reach. That's the truth. It it helps you in a way you don't even know how to get help, and prayer will still help you. So I think that, you know, as we have agreed on this, that the people will get help that need it. And uh, especially, you know, what do you, what do you suggest for, um, I feel like, you know, more people than even the ones that we ask for will be helped by this because people need peace and prayer for uh, all the stressful things that are going on right now. People are broke, they're sick, you know, people are hiding out, isolated. You know, things are really crazy. You know, I well, keep telling you, people, is the world's world still hanging in the universe? I mean, you know, are we still in the same spot or what? Shar, when we pray for one, if we're really praying from our heart, yes. we pray for all. I just felt that. I really did. Bruce, it's, it's, I felt it. Whew. And remember, that which the ability for an individual with their free will to accept or not accept, a person can easily block out any good amount of prayer coming their way. Yeah. They may not feel worthy to accept it. But that which really has called it forth, they're going to receive that real love coming through, whether it's God, Jesus, Allah, um, you know, rigmarole, whatever we want to call that higher self, higher power that connects to the Almighty. Unfortunately, we have put out there so often as man to believe that God is good. Well, I agree God is good, but I agree God is complex. That God gives us challenges that it's up to us to face. 
Well, we have to grow to learn. That's what we're doing here. We're not we're not here to twiddle our thumbs. You know, it's just uh, this is the classes in session. It's but difficult. I do think that people misunderstand a lot about what my opinion is, and I can't say it's their opinion, but my not only my opinion, but through my travels of recognizing how I sense what God is. And God, to me, is my partner. Yes. And we're in a partnership together, so I take a step, so does he, or she, or it. You know, whatever Mm -hmm. people relate to. But I have to take that first step, whether it's in my mind or literally with my feet. Yes. Until I was really ready to be helped or healed, and really the missing ingredient that I had, which happened on the Agape pulpit when they were located on Buckingham Parkway, even though I joined them first with Michael Beckwith's um, second uh, house, really, basically, when they were on Olympic and Bundy, and originally in 1994. And literally, I was spiritually led to that congregation at a time that I needed that kind of feeling of solace. And so even though I may not agree or have the kind of connection any longer that I once shared with the congregation of the people in it and whatnot, and Michael and Ricky and whatnot, I still value that step of my, of, of my, of my journey. Yes. Cause I, I do remember, um, him and I had a lot of friends that were going to him and he was part of, uh, he was in, uh, the secret. Yes. But I that's, remember. Yeah. Yeah. But this, before that was 2005 i'm yeah. talking about 1994 6 years after he started in a I living remember room that too. and then moving I remember that. <laughs> the hotel miramar in uh santa monica which i was not a part of and then outgrowing that and coming on to olympic and bundy or Sentinella, uh where he had um in a industrial park a a thriving uh, congregation starting that attracted people like uh, Tony Robbins and not on a regular mm-hmm. basis, uh, but a lot of well-known people. Ben Vereen would come on a normal basis. Gary Busey was there sometimes. So the place was getting a lot of uh, extra uh, word, word of mouth. And more, more, it was building prior to the time that they moved in the late 90s to um, a new home that was up until recently on, uh, in uh, Alf Slauson near the airport in Fox Hills. And so I was a member of the choir since 1994 of Ricky Iris with uh, her choir, and incidentally, the songs that we sang were written or channeled through Michael and Ricky, so they wrote some amazing, amazing, loving, 
spiritual, warm-hearted, and very heartfelt song that I felt I very honored to sing. I didn't you know? know about this. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, my background... Interesting. My background is that my true passion in life has always been about performing, singing, and acting. But when this came about in my life to help others heal, that became like almost a feeling of responsibility, and I put everything else aside. And it wasn't until I came to a realization that I could incorporate it. So right now, and I'm in the process of creating a website that is called Healing Through Music. Oh, yes, nice. So I have my own modality of of the healing that can shift on a dime from a prayer like I just gave for your individual friends plus the world at, at large. But also that could easily change because my background started when I was quite young as being a member of my uh, Temple Emanuel congregation in the choir there. And I was hand-selected by the cantor, a gentleman by the name of Edward Crawl, who meant the world to me. But I was hand-chosen out of the choir to become the junior cantor for the younger kids at nine years old. Wow. So I led services for my age plus up to 12 years old when I was nine. That's incredible. Well, plus and you have I the was, presence of presence of mind to, you know, to remember all all the stuff you have to remember. That's, you know, I I wouldn't have been able to do it, uh, and I know that. At nine, I was still stupefied by life. Well, at, at nine years old, I had to learn hymns that were being sung, on uh, you know, by the by the uh, by the the. Uh, gentleman I just spoke of, Ed, Ed, Edward Crawl, the Honorable Edward Crawl, and things like Shema, Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Ahad, which is Hero Israel, the Lord is one, the, uh, the Lord, uh, Lord our God, the Lord is one. But it would be yeah. more like him, like that of which maybe you heard in church as you were growing up. And it was like this. It was with a very big bellowing, and I had a very uh, adult, mature sound even when I was younger. So if I might, I'm, and this is a prayer as Please well. Please do. Please do. Please do. So I'll I just give you a little bit as I bring the phone further from me because it can be pretty uh, overpowering. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Ehad, Baruch Shem Kevot Mohuto, Leolam Fahed. That's awesome. Thank you so much, really. So there's different ways of healing. 
This is what I learned yeah. early on. Mm-hmm. And healing through music, there's nothing quite like it to have those kind of tonalities. People like, as I'd mentioned earlier, Stephen Halpern, who's made a whole ministry out of his uh, New Age type music, even was uh, honored by the uh, by the uh, uh, the uh, what you call it the um, organization that's uh, uh, the Grammy Award people, and uh, but basically from the time that I was uh, born, uh, healing songs would come through me. It didn't matter if it was of a Jewish nature of something I heard in temple or something I heard on the radio. In fact, one of the very first things my mother taught me at five years old, believe it or not, most kids were trying to sing Row, Row, Row Your Boat and Dinah Won't You Blow and all these. I learned those too, mm-hmm. you know, or, or, or you know, um, Lullaby and Goodnight. I mean, all those things. But my mother, you know, you would have guessed easily that this is a song my mom taught me. She was from Chicago, so you'd think maybe it was Chicago, Chicago, that toddling town, right? But no, it was more, you know, of what would be your first choice. Believe it or not, the first song I remember her teaching me was a song that was known as a Negro spiritual song. It was called Old Black Joe. Yeah, and it goes, like, this is the kind of thing you hear. From, I love it. Go ahead. You do remember? Oh, yeah, it I goes, do. I remember that song. So this was my, this is my rendition. Gone are the days when my heart was young and gay. Gone are my friends from the cotton fields away. Gone from this earth to a better land, I know. I hear the angel voices calling old black Joe. Here I am, five years old, not even knowing what I'm saying, you know. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I should So that I should be shocked years later as I was singing all these prayers and hymns and not knowing it, that I would become this healing instrument? (laughs) Well, that's because you were being prepared. And uh, I I understand that you're a singer now, too. And uh, I've seen some of your videos. And uh, you're you're just quite an all-around guy. And uh, you've been really richly blessed. You know, what a joy you are. And... uh, I don't know. I love you. You have to come on more often. And uh, after this uh, Corona deal is over, we gotta start heading out because I need. Oh, to, absolutely! But you know, gotta, some, we gotta get the hell out of here. I'll, t- I'll tell you though, Shar, it's really interesting because um, at an early age, I had this mature singing voice. I didn't realize it. Everybody that around me did. It captivated the people around. It was one of these things where, if my parents had people over, of course. They wanted me to sing, and, and you know, I, I had audiences early on, even if they weren't professional situations. But yeah. I'd know the right song someone needed to hear, especially when they weren't feeling well, when they needed their uh, change their state of mind or, um, you know, made them, they were 
say, ailing or hurting, and then uh, they weren't hurting as much. And anything we can do to take ourselves away from our pain, in my opinion, is good healing. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So it's going out and putting your feet, planting it in the grass, or looking at and taking in, truly taking in a flower or rosebud or something like that, or just looking at the sky and rejoicing in that blue, that beautiful feeling. And even if it's gray, knowing that that blue is hiding behind it. Well, here in Los Angeles, our wonderful – oh, yeah, they're going to cut us. Okay, so uh, we're here in Los Angeles, or California itself. The whole coastline is facing the ocean. I want to thank you very much for being with us and everything that you've done, the praying and the music and the stories. I have so much love this tonight. And uh, Bruce, uh, God bless you for everything that you've done for this, this. and personally, uh, I I appreciate you so much. Yeah, and people can call me at three one zero four seven five two zero nine three directly, and uh, if I'm available, I'm happy to share a little time with them, even if I don't know them. And this would be certainly as a gift from me to you, you know, people out there who need to feel solace and an understanding and some new hope. Who doesn't need that? That's right. We need a lot of hope in the world. Uh, Thank you, Bruce. Take care of yourself. God bless everybody. Love to you. you Thank you very much. Love to you. Happy Friday, everybody, and beyond. All right. Thank you. That's right. Take care of yourself. Till next time. Okay, take care. Okay, bye-bye. Goodbye, everybody. I'm now going to be on Kareem DeRinner's show tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We're going to be discussing pedos, so I'll see you there. Be square. And then uh, we have created a new health show that will be starting on Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. The first one will be August 4th. And may God bless and keep you. And I'm looking so forward to the health show because I do everything wrong. And so Marilyn, Marilyn Salas, who is a age-old healer, she's a salt to the earth. She's a herbalist and is very good with all of that. So I really look forward to the brand new show that will be the first show will be August 4th. And that will be 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So, okay, if you got all that straight, tomorrow night. Corinda Winner, right at the Blog Talk Radio Show at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, okay? And then we'll be here next week again with another extraordinary show. God bless you. Love you. Bye-bye.